Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. I wanted to continue talking a little bit what I kicked off last week, and this is an interesting message, okay? I want to preface it by telling you it's an interesting message, and the reason for that is because it's really an invitation. And it's an invitation for not just you individually, but it's an invitation for us legacy corporately. So everybody just say, it's an invitation. invitation. So I genuinely feel, I I feel from, I'm not going to say like God parted the heavens and spoke to me in an audible voice, okay? So don't hear it like that. But I genuinely feel impressed by the Spirit to lead our congregation in a particular direction And I know we've been talking a little bit about family, and we know that family not only has a motive, but it also has a method. Like, it's great that we have love as our motive as a family. You have to have love in the home for the home to be healthy. All the married people said amen. All the parents said amen. You got to have love. There has to be a motivation of love, that, that, that ooey, gooey, mushy, gushy, Uh, lovey-dovey warmth and care and tenderness. Like you have to have love in order for a house to become a home. Amen. Would we agree? But you also need a method. You need a methodology. You need a structure. You need moms and dads. You need people who are in charge who make rules. Like you go to bed at this time. Do you know, do you guys know how often we tell our daughter Remy that she's not in charge? Every day. I mean, at least three or four times a day. Last night, go get in your bed. It's time for bed. We love you. You you see the motive is coming through. We love you. We love you. And because of our motive, we have created a method. The love is fuel for the structure. I want you guys to get this, please, okay? The love is fuel for the structure. Because I care about my daughter's well-being and because I care about her growth and because I care about her rest and because I care about her becoming a nice person, she has to go to bed at the time that we say, not just because we're in charge, but because we want to see her grow in a good way. You guys get what I'm saying? So the love is fuel for the structure. And with church... We have good motives here at Legacy. We want you to feel this warm, ooey-gooey, lovey-dovey environment when you come through the door. How many of you guys feel that when you come to Legacy? Say, that's me. me. Not all of you guys said, that's me. So we will wash your feet after this if you'd like. No no jokes. Uh, We we want to be very, very loving, but we also understand that, that God wants you to grow. Whether you want to grow or not, God wants you to grow. Whether you want to be transformed or not, God wants you to be transformed. And so in order for you to grow to the extent that God has designed you to grow, He puts you within a context of a family with leaders who love you and have sincere motives, but who've also been commissioned by God to create a structure that's in place for your benefit. 
You, are you guys getting what I'm saying? Right? And so structure is awesome until it doesn't allow for you to do what you want to do. Right? Everybody loves the idea of structure so long as structure is built around their opinions and objectives. Structure, like bedtime, is fantastic so long as Remy gets to pick what time bedtime is. You guys get what I'm saying? As long as she gets to choose it, it's awesome. But the moment that we say, Remy, bedtime is now at 8.30, so you better get that little butt in bed, or we're going to spank you with the wooden spoon. Listen, I have biblical grounds for spankings, so don't be looking at me sideways, okay? It's right there in the Word. So I know I'm safe to use that as a tool to help my baby girl grow. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, structure can feel like oppression. Right? But it's not unless it's motivated by the wrong spirit. Do I need to say that again? Structure can feel like oppression, but it's not <laughs> unless it's motivated by the wrong spirit. I don't know if we're getting anything out of this so far, but, right? Structure is there for your benefit. If there's anything that I want you guys to catch today, like catch, it's that God puts us in families with spiritual parents and God-ordained, biblically qualified leaders for our benefit. But see, this is a massive thing that we have to catch or else we'll receive all structure as oppression. And we'll perceive all leadership as manipulation, and we'll perceive all parenting as control. So you see, there has to be something that takes place in our heart where we receive revelation from the Lord about the, about the culture, about the family that we are part of, so, we, so that we can feel safe Submitting ourselves, not only to the ooey-gooey, lovey-dovey, emotional aspects of family, but that we can feel safe submitting ourselves to the structure of family so that when someone says it's bedtime, we take our booty to bed. You guys, you guys get what I'm saying? Listen, submission is not about your actions, but about your attitude. You guys, you guys get what I'm saying? I can force my kids to obey me. I'm, I'm literally physically stronger than them. But if I pick Remy up, spank her with the spoon, and put her in her bed and put the covers over her and say, you better not get up. Because if you do, more wooden spoon. You guys are going to think I beat my kids. I, we don't. Right? She's just, a, she's just fiery. She's real fiery. She needs a little bit more structure. Right? So, so I could do that, but her heart attitude in that process, right, is what I care about most. 
it's not just about her aligning her actions to my temporary preferences. It's about her heart growing and developing in a healthy way so that she can fulfill God's purpose for her in the long term, not just listen to me and get in bed in the short term moment. Are you, are you guys getting what I'm saying? Does it work? You're probably wondering, why in the world are you talking about this? But there's a reason why I'm talking about this, and the reason is because I feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to lead our church in a direction that I believe is important so that our city can be impacted by the gospel. Okay? There's a reason why, I keep using this example, there's a reason why there's a bedtime, and there's a reason why in church there's a structure, and it's ultimately so that you can grow into your full purpose that God has designed for you, and that Nashville can be transformed as a result of your transformation. Do you see what I'm saying? And people are like, I don't need to grow. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I don't need any more transformation. I can do it all by myself, thank you very much. I've got my podcast app. I've got my YouTube playlist. I can read the Bible for myself. And yes, you can. But let me ask you, are you transformed to the extent that you're transforming your community? Are you transformed to the extent where you're seeing city transformation? Because that is God's goal for what we do together as a church. And if you can't say, man, I'm fully transformed, you might need some help. Because there's a lot that you can accomplish on your own. There is. I'll give you that. And there's a, there's a lot that you can accomplish through your faith in the bridegroom. But there is a lot that you cannot accomplish without a connection to the bride. I feel like I'm literally backing a dump truck up. And I'm like, beep. And you're already like, we were full at song three. Song three, we were done. Mary Pat sang about the cross that we were finished. We had church already. So the the reason I'm, I'm sharing this is because I do believe that what God wants to do in this city is to bring about an unprecedented move of the spirit that feels and looks like family. Every single Nashvillian, whether they were raised here or they're a transplant, they want to be a part of a church that functions like a healthy family and brings healing to the region. Do you guys believe that? Every single person, whether they know it or not, they want to be a part of a healthy family. And they want to be a part of something that is significant and brings healing and wholeness and restoration to the region that they live in. It's in our makeup. It's in our, de- it's in our soul's design. Like this generation is craving significance in a major way. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but our generation is not just looking for something to live for. They're looking for something to die for. They want to give their lives to something. They want to be a part of companies that don't just compensate them the greatest, but that are a part of the greatest transformation while they are alive. Like, I don't know if you guys have checked the statistics, but that's, that's the way that, that the statistics say that millennials choose their careers. Our city wants to be a part of a healthy, thriving 
church. They might, just, they might not know it yet, but they do. And that's why one of Jesus' names is the desire of the nations. He is literally the desire of our city. Our city just doesn't know it yet, but they have a God-sized hole in their heart. They have a soul craving for the Spirit of the living God, and it is up to us to be able to introduce that to them. But I'm telling you guys this morning that we're not going to be transformed enough to do so unless we're a part of a familial structure that brings about health and transformation in our lives to get that good word to them. I don't, I don't really have enough time to do this session because I know this is not really a session. This is like a Sunday. But genuinely, I feel like this should be a part of Legacy College. Like I was thinking about that as I was putting it together. And um, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, uh, where should we go in the, rem- in the remaining like 10 minutes that I have? Because I could talk for a really long time um, on this. I really could because I have been pouring over this for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, okay, this matters. Um, this, this really, really matters. And I know that the average churchgoer could care less about ecclesiology. Anybody ever heard of that big fancy million dollar word before, right? Ecclesiology. Everybody say ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. It is a theological term concerning the study of the church. Ecclesiology. Now, some of you guys in here, you're like, I don't care. I'm not a theologian. I'm just trying to get me some Jesus to get through my week, okay? But let me give you three reasons why you should be passionately concerned about ecclesiology. You guys ready for that? These are, and these are no official points, but you can still write them down. Uh, number one, because you are the church. So the number one reason that you should care about how God feels about church is because that's how God feels about you. I'm not really interested in how God feels about the church. So you're only interested in yourself. Okay. I see that selfishness. Okay. No, no. I care about how God feels about what it is that he's created, the community that I'm a part of, right? Number one. Because you are the church. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're all a part of this. Here's number two. Because you're going to spend a significant amount of your time in church. If you go to church a majority of your life, try your best to calculate the hours, you're going to be here a lot. (laughs) You're going to be a part of church events a lot. You're going to be serving in church Programs a lot. You're going to be, if you choose to tithe, you're going to give a substantial amount of your life's income to the church. So why would you not care about ecclesiology? Something that you would support with your hard-earned income. Why would you not care? Right? So I don't know. This is just three points. Number three is what... The church is what Jesus is doing. The church is what Jesus is actively building in the earth right now. 
So that, that, for me, honestly, would be a really great reason to be concerned with ecclesiology because Jesus Christ, who is, last I checked, God, right? He says, here's what I'm going to concern myself with. Here's what I'm going to spend my time doing. I'm going to be building this thing that I call church. That's what I'm going to give my life for. So I think it would be... uh, you know, expedient for us to care about it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't it wonderful? It's the gospel that we don't have to take supreme responsibility to build the local church, but that Jesus personally guarantees that he will build his church personally and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. It doesn't matter what laws come into play. It doesn't matter if the church has to go underground. It doesn't matter uh, the persecution that comes against the church. We know forever until God decides... He is going to be building His church. That's what Jesus guarantees us. Um, So, my question for you is, how should church be structured? I I will probably do a part two of this, maybe next week or the week after, something like that, because I don't have a lot of time left. But how should church be structured? Is this too boring for you guys on a Sunday morning? Because you all have an opinion. Come on, Law, give me some meat and potatoes. I think think this is meat. You know why? Because it might offend you. And that's what makes it meat. You know what meat is? It's a word that convicts you. And then transforms you. That's what, that's what meat is. All right, here we go. So, so, so how should church be structured? Hey, we all have an opinion. I know you've sat somewhere around a basket of fries. You know how the church should be ran? Tell me about it. Here's how church should go. If I was in charge of church... This is what we would be doing. (laughs) As a pastor, I love this conversation. I'll be honest with you. This is a really wonderful conversation for me personally. I don't know what you do professionally or that you've done for two decades, but I would just imagine if I came into your office and told you how to do it better, that conversation may not go over that well. It's just so interesting to me how we patronize our pastors that wake up in the middle of the night and pray for us and fast on our behalf and pray for us and marry us and bury us and dedicate our babies. And yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to me. Oh, they're just a pastor. Literally, the Bible says that those who labor in preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. And I'm not fishing for anything. But my cash app... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But here's my point. 
how should the church be structured is a topic of conversation that I've heard a lot more often than people are readily willing to admit in a context like this where I should just be preaching the word, man. Give me the points. Give me the index card about how to make my life better and become more successful or popular. Right? Here's why it's okay that we talk about this stuff because it's all in the Bible. Man, I am okay if you are biblically literate, but we are culturally irrelevant. That point also didn't go over that well. But um, we'll be culturally relevant because the Spirit is. So how should the church be structured? Well... And, and I, and I got to finish soon, but how should the church be structured? Well, that depends on the goal. Right? That's, 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 it's, it's not on the basis of what you need or what you want. It's on the basis of God's goal for His church that He is personally building. Like, you are a part of what God is building. Like, we don't get to just make this stuff up. Like, we don't just get to, I mean, I do understand, like, we've signed up to experiment a little bit and be God's R&D department. Like, we'll try anything short of sin to get people saved. Amen. Like, we will. But we don't, just to get, we don't get to just make this stuff up as we go along. This is God's church that he's building through us. So here's the thing. What is the goal of church? Let, let, me, let me ask you this. What's your goal for church? Genuinely, what is your personal goal? Investigate your heart just for a moment. What is your personal goal for church? Now, I want you to ask yourself another question. What is God's goal for church? And do you guys have two different goals? Because if if your goal for church and God's goal for church is radically different, guess who needs to repent? Like... The Lord's like, oh, I'm so sorry. So, so what, would be, what would be God's goal for church? Here's one goal he has. It's Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So it sounds like to me that God has a goal to reach the world through the church. That means that he wants people who are far from the family to come in and be a part of the covenant community, to be a part of the structure, to be a part uh, uh, of the lovey-dovey, ooey-gooey family of God and get loved on and get developed and get transformed as a result of being a part of a structure that cares about their health, that cares about their healing, that cares about their purpose, so that... 
they can be transformed to become a transformation so that the nations can be transformed and so that cities can be transformed so that neighborhoods can be transformed and I, I realize like this is like common stuff that we've all heard before and it's so easy to say amen to but the question that we have to allow ourselves to be confronted by is that happening that I mean like genuinely we have to allow ourselves to be confronted by the question is our city being transformed as a result of our presence is East Nashville being transformed as a result of Legacy's presence here at 900 Gallatin Ave and our future presence at 901 Delbrook Lane. Is your job being transformed as a result of your presence on that team? Is your neighborhood being transformed as a result of your presence on that street name? I mean, these are questions that we should all be confronted with. And unfortunately, because our goal for church is us and our comfort and our pampering and my growth and my encounter and my experience, what's unfortunate is that we've not made it to that secondary piece of transformation to the city because we've been so preoccupied with temporary transformation for ourselves. Usually on the basis of the place we feel that we need to go or that we would like to go. So when somebody says it's bedtime, you say not until 930. No, no, 830. No, no, that's not my goal for myself. I would like to be a little bit more comfortable for just a little bit longer. And then I'll go to bed when I'm told, hey, look, there's an assignment from the Lord on your life and on our community. And in order for us to accomplish it, we've got to feel comfortable and safe and get healed and whole enough to where we can commit ourselves to belonging, not just to a community that is loving, with the right motive, but has the right methodology and structure so that not only I can grow, but our church can grow and, and literally our church can grow. Well, it's not about the numbers. Well, numbers are people. I don't care about what we go over in our dashboard report on Tuesday in staff meeting where we say 300 people were in the building. What I care about is there were 300 people and there's more coming next week because they're going to get to witness Jesus in this church and through this community so that more people can witness Jesus throughout our city and we can see transformation. This is the last thing I'm going to say. We've got to detox from all of this heart hurt that we've experienced at the hands of the church when led by folks, at least for that moment, with the wrong motivation and choose to align with God's perspective of what He is building and what He wants to accomplish through local churches all over the world, partner with that, jump in both feet forward and say, I am going to be a part of what God is building in my generation. I am not going to stop until I'm transformed to the extent that God has designed for me to be developed before I die. And I'm going to take as many souls with me into heaven as physically possible before I leave this earth. And whatever it looks like for me to be a part of this community or the community that God has called me into, I say yes. And I submit myself to it because I want to be a part of something that is changing the world. 
And I know we can do so much more together than we could ever do on our own. So, was the teaching okay today? Um, I, 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 know, I know I obeyed God. I just wondered if, if you got anything out of it. Um, I love you guys so much, and I really want to see you transform to the extent that God has for you, and that's why I'm sharing on this subject, and that's why I'm feeling like this is the direction in which we need to go, but listen, the direction is going to cost you something. Don't think that you're going to be like, you know what, that's going to cost that person over there on the third row on the left side, or that's going to cost the staff member that's employed by Legacy Church, but it's not really going to cost me anything. Can I impress upon you? Let it cost you something. Let it cost you something. Be like David that says, I refuse to offer up the Lord that which cost me nothing. Don't let church be something that you just work into your schedule once every four to six weeks. Don't let church just be something that you, you know, patronize because you know that's what moral people do. Let it be something that really consumes your heart in such a way where you're led by the Spirit to say yes to everything God has invited you into. Amen? Does that work? All right, if you guys don't mind to stand, we're just going to pray. And then once we finish praying, I'm going to ask all of you guys in here, as well as you, as well as you guys online, to turn your attention to the screen. And then we'll have a, a, a few announcements. Um, as we, just in line with this message, I want to say... Uh, to, to everybody in here and to everybody watching online, uh, thank you for your consistent generosity in giving of your tithe to God and your offerings to the local church and to this community. It has been phenomenal to witness how our church has stepped up in this season of COVID. And um, I want to ask you guys, if you have lapsed in your giving, if you need anything, you email us. We're happy to help you. Hello at LegacyNashville.org. But, but for those of you guys who might be watching or in the room that you've lapsed in your giving simply because of apathy. I don't know who you are. You know who you are. But you've just said, you know what? Screw it. Uh, it's a weird season. I'll get back to giving. Could you take this as a word and be like, I'm going to start giving again because I'm going to be obedient to God. You guys with me? Nah. So I want to ask you guys, those of you guys are online, if, if the Holy Spirit is landing on that for you, could you just go ahead and take out your phone now before the announcements and just give right away? Don't let the enemy steal the seed. Don't say, oh, I'll give tomorrow when I get to the office. Just give now. And it's not about our church. Just give now because I want you to follow the prompting of God. So, Lord, I just I, I, I pray over us and I ask you, Lord, to continue to lead us. You are the good shepherd. Um, we've done a lot of business in the spirit today and I pray that you would cover the seed by the blood of Christ and that the enemy would not be able to pluck up any seed from loose uh, soil, from the gravel, that it would not be burned up on the wayside. Lord, I pray protection over the seed today that it would not be lost when we get in the car and head, head, head our, uh, on our way home or to lunch. Lord, I just ask you, God, that you would protect us and that you would give us a biblical uh, model for what it looks like to do church uh, in the 21st century. 
We're not trying to get back to anything, God. We're trying to lean into what you're currently doing. So, Lord, we just ask you, make the word alive again to us. Give us hearts of humility. Give us hearts of teachability. Let us posture ourselves in such a way that we long to learn from everything that you have to speak to us. And then also, God, knit our hearts together in an unprecedented spirit of unity. And God, send revival to this local church. Send a wave of the presence of God. Send a mighty move of miracles, Lord, uh, where healings and, uh, are happening. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.